This is Memorial Day weekend, but today is, as you heard in our call to worship, maybe saw in the front of the bulletin, is Pentecost. Pentecost, one of the three, big three, one of the big three celebrations in the Christian faith, the other being Christmas and Easter. It's a Greek word, if you've never heard this before. Pentecost is a Greek word meaning 50, and it's actually one of those rare instances where an existing holiday, a Jewish holy day to be specific, takes on a new and bigger meaning for us as Christians. Originally, it was celebrated 50 days after the sacrifice of the Passover lamb. And it was a celebration of the wheat harvest as well as a commemoration of the time when God gave through Moses the people the Ten Commandments. But as I said, all of this changed, was blown up a lot bigger when Jesus began to teach his disciples to anticipate the coming of a counselor, a comforter. It was an expectation that Jesus not only taught them before he went to the cross, he continued to nurture this expectation for his followers for 40 days after his resurrection. And then 10 days later, after he ascended into heaven, and if you're doing the math, 40 plus 10, 50 days after what we celebrate as Easter, on Pentecost came the gift of the Holy Spirit and the birth of the church. Pentecost is often called the birthday of the church because in the same way that God breathed life into the dust of the earth and gave life to our humanity, on Pentecost, the breath of the Holy Spirit gave life to a new creation, the body of Christ. We who follow and who belong to Jesus. Now, as I say, this is a big day and it ought to be up there with Christmas and Easter. But Pentecost, you'll notice, doesn't get the same attention level, or I might add attendance level, that Christmas and Easter do. Christmas and Easter are acknowledged on our secular calendars. Hallmark recognizes Christmas and Easter, but Pentecost, not so much. But why we're here today, why today matters, is because even though Hallmark may not notice Pentecost, even though it may not have caught on like other global holidays. As Christians, we can't. We must not forget the significance of today. We need to pay attention. We need to reflect more deeply on the relevance of the Holy Spirit in our lives and as a part of our faith in Jesus. And so that's what we're going to do today. But we're not going to be doing this through, the, through what, what you might call the classic text and the classic passage in the Bible on Pentecost Sunday would be Acts chapter 2. And the reason why we're not going to look at that particular passage is, one, many of us know it. But for me, I also want to address one of the biggest misunderstandings I come across when it comes to the Holy Spirit within the church. And this may not apply to you, but for, I've come across many people who operate under this belief that the Holy Spirit is just a New Testament thing. That, that they act, people act like the Holy Spirit doesn't exist prior to Acts chapter 2. It's as if, like, you know, if you will, the, the Holy Spirit is the third wave of the gospel after Jesus' death and resurrection. But wait, there's more, the Holy Spirit. And, and I want to reveal the fallacy of this belief by demonstrating the continuity of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. And to do that, there's many places I could point to. But today, to celebrate Pentecost, to delve more deeply into the significance of the Holy Spirit, we're going to do so not by way of Acts, but by way of the book of Numbers. So if you would, take that Bible that's right in front of you or the Bible that you brought and turn to Numbers chapter 11. And that's on page 100 in the Pew Bible. And as you're getting there, let me give you a little setup for this passage. After centuries, 
Not days, not months, not weeks, not years. Centuries of living in bondage and captivity. The people of God have been set free and led out of Egypt by God through Moses. They have crossed the Red Sea into safety, and now they are learning how to live as a community. No longer as slaves, but as the children of God. Now, if this story is ringing familiar to you at all, you will also know that these lessons are not coming easy. Through what is intended to be a short journey through the desert, despite a promised land in their future, the wilderness is getting the better of the people. They are repeatedly frustrated, repeatedly dissatisfied. And the big word that gets repeated a lot, they are often grumbling about their situation. Pick a topic, whatever it is, food, not happy. Water, not happy. Safety, not happy. Living conditions, not happy. Today, as we get into Numbers chapter 11, the number one topic in the complaint department, and they change, the number one topic in the complaint department is manna. The people are sick of the bread from heaven. They want a steak, not a pancake. They want meat, not carbs. Their fixation gets so bad, they actually start fantasizing about the menu back in Egypt. That's right. If you read the very beginning of chapter 11, which we're not, but if you go back and look at it, even though they were in chains, they actually missed the food in prison. And as we're about to hear, this is where we start, Moses is on his last nerve. He just can't take it anymore. So with that introduction, Numbers chapter 11, starting at verse 10. It reads, Moses heard the people of every family wailing, each at the entrance to his tent. The Lord became exceedingly angry and Moses was troubled. He asked the Lord, why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised on oath to their forefathers? Where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me. Give us meat to eat. I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you're going to treat me, put me to death right now. If I found favor in your eyes and do not let me face my own ruin. The Lord said to Moses, bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting that they will stand there with you. I will come down and speak with you there and I will take of the spirit that is on you and put the spirit on them. They will help you carry the burden of the people so that you will not have to carry it alone. And if you will skip to verse 24. So Moses went out and told the people what the Lord had said. He brought together 70 of their elders and had them stand around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke with him, and he took of the spirit that was on him and put the spirit on the 70 elders. When the spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but they did not do so again. However, two men, whose names were Eldad and Medad, had remained in the camp. They were listed among the elders, but they did not go out to the tent. Yet the spirit also rested on them, and they prophesied in the camp." 
A young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' aide since youth, spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. But Moses replied, Are you jealous for my sake? I wish all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Then Moses and the elders of Israel returned to the camp. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So what do we learn about the significance of Pentecost? What, do we, what can we gather about the relevance of the Holy Spirit in our lives from this passage? Well, the very first thing that I want to share with you is something that I, I think might on the surface seem obvious to you. It might be sort of like one of these things that you're kind of like, okay, duh. But it's, it, while it may be obvious, it's, it's an insight here that I don't think we fully comprehend. And here it is. The first thing I want you to see is that the Holy Spirit is a gift. Now, that's, that's not new language for any of us. We often think of the Holy Spirit, especially on Pentecost, as a gift. But here's the thing. The Holy Spirit is the gift. The Holy Spirit is the gift of the very presence of God. That's what I want you to hear, what I want you to see. Things are getting out of hand in the wilderness, right? I mean, <laughs> this is a really raw passage. It's actually kind of a mess, right? Uh, the, the people are becoming more and more vocal in their unrest. We're told they're wailing in protest. Can you even imagine what that must sound like? Moses is banging his head against the sand as everything is falling apart. And yet in the middle of all this chaos, with pretty much everyone having a tantrum, the Lord offers to help. The Lord promises a solution. Yahweh tells Moses to gather, 70, to gather together 70 leaders and to bring them to the tent of meeting. And if you don't remember what this is, before they get to the promised land, they have sort of a portable RV where God's presence resides when he's among the people. This is the tent of meeting that will later become the tent temple. And Moses is told to gather 70 of the leaders and God says once they're there, he will come down and meet with them. The Lord says he will bless them with the Holy Spirit. Now, again, it's, it's so subtle, you may not be seeing this, but let me try to bring it home. The people want food. Moses wants additional help. And both of these things, by the way, are going to get taken care of by God. We already see the leadership base grow in this passage. And just to give you a little sneak preview of what comes next, there will be meat. Quail will come later. And if you don't know this story, boy, does quail come. But the thing, here's the thing. The additional 70 elders, the future bounty of bird meat, are not the gift. The gift the Lord gives here is more sustaining than food, more impactful than another ministry team, even bigger than the parcel of land flowing with milk and honey that they're going to get to. The gift is the presence of God engaging with his people through the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is an important insight for me, for us, because I think when we talk about the Holy Spirit, at a bare minimum, we're all familiar with the signs and wonders credited to the Holy Spirit. We might go a little bit further, depending upon our upbringing, especially if we come from a Pentecostal background. We might even dabble a little bit in having a little talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But right from the get-go, what I want you to see, then and now, manna, quail, prophecies, healings, all good, all great, but these are the effects of the Holy Spirit. The results that come from the Lord's presence in our life and in our world. But the effects, the results, 
are not greater than the source. Beloved, what I'm trying to help us to understand, which is why Pentecost matters, is we fail to appreciate the gift of the person of the Holy Spirit. We fail to appreciate that we worship a God who doesn't just drop down care packages now and again, who doesn't just send angels on special assignment, though God does these things. No, we worship a God who comes down and blesses us by being with us. We can't confuse, in other words, the conduits of grace with the giver of grace. The relationship is the point. The partnership, the communication God has with us, the trust that God seeks to build with us, the reliance that God wants us to have on him, the love, the relationship is the point. The relationship is the whole gospel and nothing but the gospel then and now. The gift of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, is God literally reaching out and touching us wherever we are. It's the gift of relationship, of meeting us where we are and bringing us closer to him. The reason why Christmas, Easter, and Pentecost are the big three is they represent the whole relationship the Lord wants to have with us. I don't know if you've ever thought of that before. They represent the whole relationship the Lord wants to have with us. And we need to be careful why Pentecost matters is we tend to treat the Holy Spirit like a white elephant gift or an Easter egg, a gift we take home and sort of forget about. But think about this. Have you ever, in your mind, if we only had Christmas and Easter, if that's all we had, if all we had was Christmas and Easter, we'd have a story about what God did for us. We'd have a specific event to remember about how committed the Lord is to us. And that's huge, but what wouldn't we have? We wouldn't have anything tangible, anything accessible or intimate to relate to. Pentecost matters because Pentecost is about the gift of the person of the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God. We may have received in our lives gifts from the Spirit moving and working in our lives, but the question today is have we received the gift? Have we been introduced to the person of the Holy Spirit? And I'm going to say to you that I encounter more and more people who know Jesus, who know the Father, but they don't know the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is kind of, like I said, the Holy Spirit is, we don't think of it as a relationship. Thanks to Pentecost, the gift of the person of the Holy Spirit is, around, is before us, working in and through us. What, what, we, what we need to understand is that if we feel close to Jesus, if we feel close to the Father, it's because of the person of the Holy Spirit. God is no longer distant and remote in our lives. The cross and the resurrection are more than historical events. The person of Christ is to us, here and now, more than a historical figure because of the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit coming into our lives, that person here and now means God is truly with us. It's not just a saying, it's true. It means that we can truly claim Jesus is our personal Lord and Savior. We love to say that. Do you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Where does the personal part come from? How does it get personal? Because you read it? Because someone shared the gospel with you? Because you saw a cross? Because you heard the story? How does it become personal? It doesn't become personal because you make it personal. Because you claim it. It's personal because the Holy Spirit grabs you and comes into your life 
and opens up your mind and your eyes and suddenly this story, it's true. This isn't just history. This is gospel. The Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit means that God is truly intimately connected to our lives, speaking to us, shaping our thoughts, guiding our decisions, enlarging our understanding, expanding our love. And as I go through this list, if you go, you know, I don't have any of that, then let me suggest that you have a spirit problem. Let me suggest you don't know the person of the Holy Spirit. And you can balk and push back, but we'll go right to the scriptures together. This is the gift of the person of the Holy Spirit, a relationship. If you're not experiencing that relationship, if it feels one-sided, then again, have you been introduced to the person of the Holy Spirit? Beloved, I want to encourage you, first thing this morning is to embrace the gift, to engage in relationship with the Holy Spirit. What I'm asking you to do to consider is to recognize the presence of our Father, the presence of the risen Christ in the person of the Holy Spirit. What I'm saying practically, tangibly that you can take away is this. When in your journey of faith that still small voice comes, when suddenly there is that moment of illumination, when, is there, when there's that moment of conviction that grabs your heart, when, when you find yourself suddenly finding wisdom or courage beyond yourself, when you experience in your life healing or relief, physical, mental, emotional, physical, a mental, emotional healing or relief in whatever form it takes, what I'm telling you is respond to that moment not as if it were luck or not even just as a gift in and of itself. React and engage those moments, those experiences like you would if there was a person involved whom you could see, whom you knew helped you. If all of a sudden stuff started showing up on your doorstep, if all of a sudden things started happening in your life and you didn't know where it came from, most of us wouldn't just simply move on. We'd want to know, where did this come from? Who did this? I want to know this person. Engaging the person of the Holy Spirit means engaging the relationship with the giver of God's blessings, the embodiment of God's grace. It means engage the Holy Spirit as a person. It means thanking him for filling you, thanking him for guiding you, recognizing that by faith, moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day, you live in his power. You live under his direction. It's the first insight I want you to have. But what we also see is that at the start of this passage, Moses is overwhelmed, right? I mean, he's burdened. I mean, I think we could describe it, the, obviously it's not described this way, but this is a, Moses is a guy who's approaching burnout, yeah? I mean, any guy who says to God, you know what, you want to do me a favor, kill me. Kill me. If I found favor in your eyes, kill me. They're having a bad day. Right? They're burning out. And, and, and Moses is burning out because he's taking things personally. And why is he taking things personally? Moses is taking things personally because he's taken, do you get this, personal responsibility for the people. He's taking personal responsibility for the people. And in overextending himself, you hear it. Moses laments to God and he says, look, why do you treat me so badly? What did I do to, what did I do to deserve to be burdened with all these people? And, and Moses here is sort of stuck in his, own, in his own place, right? The breakthrough comes, you catch it in the midst of his tantrum, when Moses confesses something out loud, which is the second observation about the Holy Spirit I want you to catch from this passage. The breakthrough moment for Moses is when he finally just stops and says, I'm not able to lead all these people alone. 
this burden is too heavy for me. Can I ask you something? Do you think that insight was for God or for Moses? Do you think that God all of a sudden went, oh, wow, man, wow, yeah. I overreached on that one. Yeah, I'm asking a lot of you. Yeah, all those. Do you think that was an insight for God or for Moses? It's an insight for Moses. And the insight is the second observation I want you to see about the Holy Spirit. And this observation is this. The Holy Spirit is about empowerment for leadership. The Holy Spirit is about empowerment for leadership. And, and, and that's why it's, again, so significant. God doesn't just, in response to all this, send the quail or expand the leadership base. God provides the gift of his presence by pouring out his spirit. The Holy Spirit brings power to the people. The Holy Spirit empowers Moses and the Israelites to move forward in faith. We need to understand that the Holy Spirit is a person, but we need to understand that the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, engages us in relationship to empower us to become leaders. Now, this is hard for us to embrace. It's easy for us to be unfamiliar with this or uncomfortable with the person of the Holy Spirit if, like I said, we treat the Holy Spirit like a tool. And I, I want to be confessional to you. The, you know, Pentecost has become more and more meaningful for me because in my faith journey, which has kind of been all over the map, again, if you don't know, raised Catholic, married a Baptist, became a Presbyterian, serving in a Lutheran church. <laughs> and in, in all of those contexts, I heard about the Holy Spirit because you, you can't not hear about the person of the Holy Spirit. Catholic, Baptist, Presbyterian, Lutheran. Even had a little bit of Pentecostal you know, flirtations here and again. Of course, you're going to hear about the Holy Spirit there. So I, I'm very, I was very aware in my life of the Holy Spirit because it's, it's like one of, those, one of those realities you can't deny. But as I was saying before, what I, what I did for the longest time in my life is I used to treat the Holy Spirit, my relationship with the Holy Spirit, like a genie in a lamp. I used to treat my relationship with the Holy Spirit like a genie in the lamp. You see, what, I, what it was is I'd acknowledge the Holy Spirit whenever there was a crisis or concern I couldn't handle. Does this sound at all familiar to anybody? I'd acknowledge the Holy Spirit. I mean, otherwise it was kind of like, oh, okay, yeah. I don't know. Jesus, mm, the Father, yes, the Holy Spirit. Mm. But if I had a crisis or a concern I couldn't handle, then I was tuned into the Holy Spirit. After I'd exhausted all other possibilities, all of a sudden I'd get spiritual. Anyone else relate? Suddenly I was in a spiritual mood. Let's get spiritual. I'd take my concerns and I'd, I'd, I'd take my wish and I'd pray. But the reality is I wasn't praying. I was just rubbing the lamp. I was just rubbing the lamp. I was calling upon the Holy Spirit to solve my problems and fix my situation. Just to bring this home, because again, the Holy Spirit is a person. Imagine treating any other person in your life like this. You know you never acknowledge them and talk to them. So you call up, hey, oh, hey, hey, yeah. Yeah, I really need something. I need you right now. Dude, can you take care of this? Can you fix this? Awesome, great, thanks. Hey, yeah, I know it's been a couple of months. I've been busy. Yeah, well, you're still there? Good. Can you take care of this? Awesome, thank you. Hey, what? What do you mean you don't feel like you're in a relationship with me? I'm calling you right now, aren't I? Right? Could you imagine treating any other person in your life that way? Hey, help me out. Hey, show up. Hey, I, I need this. But then otherwise, they don't exist. The Holy Spirit is a person. And that empowerment 
That empowerment is not what we often make it. The Holy Spirit isn't a genie looking to grant us three wishes. The Holy Spirit seeks to empower us to grow and mature so that we can learn to lead, to represent God to others, because that's what we were created for. That's why the Holy Spirit engages in the relationship. It's just like parents raising kids. I mean, as parents, we all want to provide for our children, right? But we provide for our children, we give them resources out of our relationship and our purpose is for them to become adults, right? How does it work, not that I'm speaking from any experience and I am not, when all of a sudden our children only seem to want to have something to do with us when they want something, when they need something, but otherwise there is no relationship. We correct that, right? We kind of say you're missing the point of what's going on here because we know if we don't correct it, they're either going to continue to live at home, <laughs> right? They're either going to continue to live at home and just continue to rely on us rather than be who they were created to be, or they'll move on to someone else and make them their de facto parents. God is our father. We are his children. God, as our father, seeks for us as, our ch as his children to grow up, to come into our own, to become his representatives, to become leaders. But here's the interesting thing. Notice that when Lord, the Lord tells Moses to gather the 70 elders together, Moses isn't told to grab just anyone, just any elders. Did you catch this? Moses is told to gather up elders known as leaders and officials in the community. What I want you to see here is that the Holy Spirit is about empowerment for leadership, but the gift of the person of the Holy Spirit is for those who seek leadership. The Holy Spirit is given. The Holy Spirit empowers those who lean towards taking responsibility and bearing authority. And again, it'd be very easy for you to misunderstand this insight. And I'm going to really take this apart in the next couple of minutes. Because if we treat the Holy Spirit not as a person but as a thing, you can hear what I just said as the Holy Spirit is there for those who are willing to collect enough gas. This is like making the Holy Spirit sound like gasoline. That, that if you have the car and if you have the engine, you just need the gas of the Holy Spirit. And, and again, for some of us in the church, this is, a, again, a way we engage and I think we sort of abuse the person of the Holy Spirit. We all come with our cans and our tanks looking for a Spirit-filled worship service. We seek out ministries and places in the church where we can have a spiritual experience. Do you see what's happening in this? The Spirit is no longer a person. The Spirit is a thing. The Spirit is something we just tap into. We're, we're sort of shrinking the, the, the reality of the Holy Spirit, the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, maybe that's it. Maybe, maybe the reason Pentecost isn't up there with Christmas and Easter is that the coming of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, actually asks something of us. I mean, Christmas and Easter are great. We all like receiving gifts. We all love receiving the gift of Jesus. We all want God to come and save us. I mean, I'll accept Jesus going to the cross to forgive my sins, defeat death on my behalf, sign me up. I'll take that. We're all ready, to be, we're all ready and willing to be freed from slavery in Egypt. Bring on the meat. The quail, the water in the desert. We'll take the promised land. We'll take, we'll take, we'll take. But then when Pentecost comes and the Lord says, I don't just want you to follow me. I want to empower you to represent me. I want to empower you to be my witnesses, my ambassadors. 
When all of a sudden God says, I want you to lead, we all decide to live at home in the basement. And pardon me, live at home, the basement. And God says, this is nice. This is great what you guys do for about an hour and a half. This is really cool, this room you've created. This is wonderful. But this is not what I came for. This is not our relationship. Our relationship is out there. Our relationship is not about a building. It's not about different things in the service that you get filled up by my spirit. That's fantastic. My relationship is you letting me express my power through you and representing me to those who do not know, who have not heard, those who are in need. Beloved, the Holy Spirit is not a divine battery or a heavenly fuel source. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit isn't gasoline as much as the Holy Spirit is the auto specialist who seeks to build us into the vehicles of God's grace, who purposes to teach us how to drive and sticks around with us to guide and maintain us during our cross-country journey. It's a, it's a passive engagement. It's about being worked upon. In the divine partnership of our faith, the Holy Spirit is the senior partner. Or as I like to express it, I think this brings it out. Empowerment isn't about getting more of the Spirit. Empowerment, biblically, isn't about getting more of the Spirit. Empowerment, biblically, is about the Spirit getting more of you. The Holy Spirit searches for leaders. And what I mean by leaders is those who are willing to take responsibility, those who are willing to bear the authority of the kingdom, who are willing to reflect the image of God rather than deny the image of God in them. And again, that's hard, but let me break this down. We are all created in the image of God. We exist to represent our Father, to represent God. That means we exist to take responsibility for bearing God's image in us. We exist to bear the authority that that brings. If we choose not to do that, if we avoid that, then we are not representing God, reflecting God, the image of God. We're denying the image of God in us. But when we yield to the Lord's calling upon us to lead, to represent him in all we say and do, we find ourselves drawn towards the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is drawn to us. Again, if you have no frame of reference for the Holy Spirit, if this is something that has always been so in the far corner, let me suggest that maybe this is part of the issue. Are we willing to bear the image of God, of Christ, like we're called to? like we're empowered to. You've heard this before. God doesn't just equip the called. He calls the equipped. I said that backwards, sorry. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. So be empowered. Beloved, be empowered. Don't be a spectator. Recognize you are a leader. And, and remember, leadership isn't about a job title or a job description. Leadership is about the spirit making quiet but, a power, quiet but powerful differences through you where you are. Recognize you exercise leadership in your home. You exercise leadership in your family. You exercise leadership at your job. You exercise leadership in your community. You exercise leadership in a particular situation. Whatever it is where the Holy Spirit places you. Biblically, leadership is about giving voice to what the Holy Spirit has given you to share. 
Biblically, leadership is about following, answering the call to follow the Holy Spirit in leading others to Christ by serving each person like Jesus. And let me just take a ridiculous example, but it bears the point of empowerment. You leave the service today, and let's say you go home and you need a couple of things from the grocery store. And you go to the grocery store, the grocery store you always go to, and it just so happens as you go to buy just a couple of things, you go to stand in line in the express line because you have enough to just, you're in that limit, and you have a couple of things going on. First of all, the register isn't working, the cashier who you've seen before who clearly still doesn't know how to do her job is having a hard time. Plus, there are people standing in line who have more than the appropriate number of items according to the express lane. In addition, you have behind you the parents with the child who is extremely loud and extremely raucous who can't seem to get a hold on their kid. Now, as I describe this situation, which many of us have lived before, the default place we can go is to suddenly get upset, right? As I started to hint at, which is to start to wish death and destruction upon those who have abused the express aisle limit. <laughs> to wish firing upon the person working the cash register who clearly is in a job that she cannot do. And to pray that someone will teach the people behind us how to parent their children so they are not an annoyance to those of us who are in an internal state of bliss. <laughs> this ridiculous situation, which happens to us all the time, is a prime example, small though it may be, of we have opportunities, the Spirit places us in positions of leadership. Because in that moment, we can continue to give in to that Spirit within us that is negative, that is frustrated, that is, you know holier than thou, whatever you want to describe it. Or we can actually have a conversation with the person who's with us all the time, the Holy Spirit, and go, okay, what am I, what am I supposed to do here? And you might be surprised the Holy Spirit isn't going to say, burn him, condemn him to hell. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. The Holy Spirit, all of a sudden, might change how you see people. You might start seeing Jesus and all these people that before you saw Satan in. The Holy Spirit might say, hey, you know what? You've had kids before. You know what it's like. Why don't you turn and, and kind of help, help out these, those, you know, interact, just make a smile and face. How about encouraging that cashier because everyone else wants her dead too. <laughs> that's a, the smallest of examples, but that's leadership because everybody else is operating just like everybody else. That's leadership and that's how the Holy Spirit works. And that's just one example which you could quadruple more than that in a given day. And if you're, you're doubting this, if, if, if you're doubting that the Holy Spirit seeks to empower all of his people, that there are no spectators in the body of Christ, if you have a hard time wrapping your head around this, I get it. I get it because like you, we have grown up in a world, we've grown up in a culture, and it's not just an American culture, it's a global culture, where we're told leaders are born, not made. We've, we've been taught that you either have what it takes as a leader or you don't. We've been assessed publicly all through our school years, maybe even self-assessed according to what we all know are some very understood and specific criteria, qualities and circumstances that make a leader and we're just not a leader. And that leads me to the final observation I wanna make about this passage, this final observation about the Holy Spirit. I hope you caught it. And it's this, the Holy Spirit colors outside the lines. The Holy Spirit doesn't conform to our definitions or play by our rules. The Holy Spirit moves wherever, however, and among whomever he wills. 
So many of us are sidelined when it comes to the kingdom. I say this as a pastor. I once sat in a pew, but as a pastor, I can tell you there is a clear imbalance within the kingdom, within the body of Christ. So many of us are on the sidelines. If we're not spectators, we're tech support. We classify ourselves as more of support people because, again, we've been taught not to see ourselves as leaders. I can't tell you how many people are like, oh, I'm, no, no, I'm not really a, a leader. I'll support whatever you're doing, but I, I really, I'm not, I'm not, I know, I'm not a leader. I'm more of a support person. I'm more behind the scenes, you know. I kind of do a little thing here and there. For all of us, which is probably the majority of you sitting in this room who consider yourself support people, if you weren't paying attention, tell that to Eldad and me, Dad. Tell that to Eldad and me, Dad. Now, here's the thing. This is an interesting thing about the story. We don't know why they didn't make it to the tent with everybody else. This is actually fascinating to hear the debates about this. Some people think that Moses picked 70, because remember, he was picked 70, and God said, oh, you forgot to. So that's the, to that, for me, that's the example of Moses didn't see leadership in them, Right? Another argument is that both those guys got picked and they were like, who, me? No, 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 no. And they didn't see leadership in themselves. It doesn't matter. We don't know why they didn't show up and meet with the other 68, but here's the thing. Even though, even though they didn't think they had what it takes, even though maybe Moses didn't think they had what it takes, whatever their reason for not showing up, the Holy Spirit found them. The Holy Spirit filled them with the same prophetic chorus the same vision and encouragement for the future as the rest of those who were called. The Holy Spirit empowered and raised them up as leaders too. Beloved, the Holy Spirit colors outside the lines. The Holy Spirit works outside the box. The lines we create, the boxes that we make. And again, if you were paying attention, you'll notice that we have a hard time with this. And representing us today is Joshua, who normally in Scripture comes across as pretty much a perfect person. But Joshua, you'll notice today, has a hard time with what's happening. Uh, um, uh, Moses, I believe you defined the terms of leadership and empowerment. And we have a little something going on over here that's outside of what was arranged. So could you tell them to stop doing what they're doing? Which let me translate what Joshua is saying. Um, Moses, could you tell the Holy Spirit to follow the rules? Good luck with that, Joshua. Good luck with that. And, and you, you heard Moses' response, and I love it, because Moses gets it. And he should get it, right? Do you remember Moses? Moses gets it. His gentle rebuke of Joshua carries the voice of experience. He's been there. He didn't think he was a leader either. Do we remember this story? And Moses speaks from experience. Um, Joshua, uh, let me tell you something. Don't ever tell God, don't ever tell the Holy Spirit what he can or can't do. And just in case we think this is limited to these guys or Moses, if you never step back and realize it, you take this whole book, this whole Bible, which we study and consider the inspired word of God. This is, our, this, is, this is the centerpiece of our faith. If you've ever thought about it, this Bible is filled with non-leader types. This Bible is filled with people who we learn about in Sunday school at an early age and we continue to have books written about biographies that frankly, if they weren't in the Bible, they would not get hired. They wouldn't win awards. They wouldn't be on the who's who's list of the most influential people. But they became leaders. 
They became leaders because they were filled with the Spirit, because the person of the Holy Spirit empowered them. Eldad and Medad, just late-breaking newsflash, are never heard from again in the Bible. Whoop, gone. This was their 15 minutes of biblical fame. But they are living witnesses to the truth that by the Spirit, we are all called and empowered to be leaders. And one more time, if we're still trying to find a way we can claim tech support, Moses says something beautiful. He drives the truth of this whole thing home. It's the, my favorite part of this passage. I'm going to read it to you. Moses drives this home. There's nowhere for us to hide. When Moses declares, would I that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit upon all of them. Well, don't look now, Moses. Your dream of a holy people was realized when the Holy Spirit descended upon God's children and tongues of fire empowered mouths like ours to be open wide in praise and proclamation of the good news about Jesus Christ. We're not looking at Acts chapter 2 today, but you know that story. And in that moment, Peter makes this clear. He, he basically goes, reaches out and back and touches Moses. And the prophet Joel, when he declares what happens on Pentecost as prophecy fulfilled, in his speech, Peter declares what Moses could only hope for, the empowerment by the Spirit of all persons, regardless of age, gender, education, race, or social status. We live on the other side of that day. Pentecost matters because Pentecost declares young and old men can dream dreams. Sons and daughters can have visions. All are called, the rich or the ragged. All are equipped, the scholars and the unschooled. All are leaders in the spirit, declaring the wonders of God in whatever strategic position he has placed them. So my friends, Prepare yourself to be surprised by the Holy Spirit. Remember that the Holy Spirit moves wherever he wills. So as we like to say, go with the flow. The Spirit isn't just about what you ask for. The Holy Spirit doesn't always show up where, where and when you expect. But the Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth. Always seeking and bringing goodness into our lives. So be surprised, but be pleasantly surprised by the Holy Spirit, by the person and power of the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid. On this day of Pentecost, don't be afraid because this isn't poltergeist, this is Pentecost. I live in a time where I'm actually seeing a movie from my generation being remade. Poltergeist. And it's one in a long list. Has anyone else noticed this? And I'm not, I'm, please don't mishear what I'm about to say. But we have a lot of younger people who are fascinated with movies about spirits. Possessions, haunted houses, poltergeist is just one in a long list. It's not us who's going to see them. Maybe they are, you don't have to tell me. But our kids are. They're fascinated by it. And yet in the midst of all this talk of ghosts and spirits, we have a spirit that we once called a ghost, by the way, that's a spirit for good. That's a spirit that doesn't look to call you to, cause you to climb on walls or turn your head around 360 or kill somebody. We acknowledge today a spirit that empowers you to be the person you were created to be. A spirit that empowers you to change the world to make it a better place. My God, why are we talking about that? And more than talking about it, why are we reflecting that? 
I can complain about that reality of poltergeist all I want, but I counter poltergeist by living Pentecost. We don't worship a spirit of fear. We receive a relationship through a spirit of love. So beloved, anticipate. Be eager through the gift of the person of the Holy Spirit, through the power of the Holy Spirit that's at work within you. Marvel at how much you can grow how far we can reach together, how many lives can be saved and transformed when we receive the gift of the person and live by the power of the Holy Spirit, when we follow rather than squelch his unpredictable lead. Today is Pentecost. It is a day to celebrate. It is a day to never forget because today we remember how the Spirit of God who brought the universe into being, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, came to dwell in us. Today matters. Because if we stop and think about it, without the coming of the Holy Spirit, there would be no Christians. There would be no church. The gospel message would be unknown. Think about this. Without Pentecost, without the coming of the Holy Spirit, we who believe in Jesus would have the forgiveness of God to cling to, but we wouldn't have the power of the Spirit behind us and within us to mature into our full identity in Christ. What future, what hope would we have in this life or the next? But God has sent us his Spirit. He sent us his Spirit at Pentecost, and Pentecost was never intended to be a once-only affair. For each of us, our Pentecost occurred when we were baptized at our baptism, we receive the Spirit of God who promises throughout our life's journey, through the twists and turns that our life may take, that he's always there with us. God gives us his power. The Spirit of God partners with us and gives us what we need to become channels of his love and grace to a violent, self-absorbed, shattered, and wandering world. So, beloved, let's be renewed today. Let's be refocused. Let's be re-energized into our calling as the body of Christ. May the divine presence of the Lord descend upon us anew so that we may better fulfill our great commission to reflect the truth of the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ through our loving service to the nations. From Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. Amen? As the praise team comes up, we're going to end today the sermon a little differently. We're going to do something that some churches do, we've never done before that I know of, on Pentecost, which is to renew our baptismal vows. Because again, our Pentecost is at our baptism. And if you haven't been baptized, then these words are words you, that may entice you to, to find out more about what that sacrament, what that experience means. But for those of us who have been baptized, this is a way of reminding ourselves of not only the vows that we make to God, but of the, the promises God makes to us that he delivers on through the person of the Holy Spirit. So I invite you to participate as you are prompted on the screen. Come, let us reaffirm our common baptism, declaring our commitment to the risen Christ and our ongoing desire to follow him in all our ways. We have been baptized into Christ. The life we once lived shared his death and was buried with him. When Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of God, we too were raised so that we might live a new life. So now we pledge ourselves again to live out the fullness of our baptism. With God's help, we will continue 
in the community of faith, in the apostles' teaching, in the breaking of bread and the prayers. With God's help, we will continue to seek Christ in all people, to love our neighbor as ourself. With God's help, we will continue to proclaim and live the good news, to work and pray for justice and peace, to respect the dignity of every creature. We believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.